1: To essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy, and I'm Addy, and you're listening to Series Five, Episode 16, In Memoriam.
0: And let's start it off with some announcements.
1: The first announcement, the most exciting announcement today's the day we announce the winner of the giveaway
0: you guys have been submitting and watching and liking our YouTube video uh and we're super appreciative and um it turns out that marley vlock you have won the shadow run tarot deck
1: congratulations uh so marley if you could do us a favor and shoot an email to essential npc's podcast at gmail.com and let us know what address to ship this tarot deck to it will be yours in a short period of time (laughs)
0: uh and the less exciting announcement because no free stuff we are still collecting your questions for post game chatter Uh, it's just a couple of weeks away and we are excited to hear from you guys so send us your questions so the cast can answer them send them to us on Facebook Instagram Twitter hey even post it on a YouTube uh, video if you like Um, or you can email us at essential NPCs podcast uh, at gmail.com
1: Ask us questions about Shatterrun, about this campaign, about RPGs in general, really anything. Uh, if you submit a question to post-game chatter, we will answer it.
0: And with that, let's move on into Words with the GM. Hello. Hello, GM. Hello. This Words with the GM Hello. is about Series 5, Episode 15, Untold Depths. Some pretty crazy stuff happens, but I think there's one thing that we should really talk about.
1: Yes, you're right. Uh, the physics of a bunch of submarines leaving, I can talk all about mm-hmm. decompression. I don't think and... that I don't think that's it. Oh, oh, then what is it that you want to talk about? Um,
0: well, our beloved Bumbles passed away. You yeah. killed him. <laughs>
1: Yeah, pretty horribly, too.
0: Yeah, not cool, man. <laughs> um,
1: well, it's kind of one of those things where uh, he rolled a critical glitch on a demolitions test in an underwater base. And all of my first thoughts for what that critical glitch could be were instant death for at least him, if not everybody. Right. I mean, like a, something goes horribly wrong with a bomb. It's just going to like it can't just be a dud. It's a critical glitch. But I sat there for a second and thought about it and decided Yeah, whoever gets in that chair to reprogram these clones is going to die, which was pretty much me deciding that either you, Echo, or Bumbles was going to die as a result of this critical glitch. Yeah,
0: we're the only ones with the data jack, so... Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for that. Well, I <laughs> I had to. It's a critical glitch and the, the stakes are high. I get it. I get it. <laughs> and this is actually a really good um, kind of segue because character death is something that happens um, in RPGs pretty much across the board, um, except for some um, some of the ones that are geared towards like like younger kids, and there are some. Less than tried and true methods to dealing with a PC's death. The first thing that I would say, because in in killing <laughs> in killing a PC, the first thing you should do is um, hopefully you see it coming. Um, and that way you can be prepared for how you expect the, the person who's playing the character to continue. And this is kind of turning the topic a little bit more serious, but like, you know, why are you killing the PC? Is it, you know, an exit for the person who's playing the PC, um, because either they're too busy or, Um, They don't want to be in the campaign anymore or something along those lines. Or is it because the story warrants it or is it uh, somewhere in between they made a really bad mistake, caught a critical glitch or, uh, you know, failed all three death saves or however else you may die in an RPG um, uh, which is the the case that is always, I think, the hardest to deal with. Everyone knew that um, it was possible for our characters to die in the podcast. Um, podcast kind of feels like a little bit of plot armor. Um, but apparently, you know, after after Zurich, Zurich Orbital fell and and you told us like, hey, you might have died if, if the roles had gone a different way. Um it kind of was like a little shocking and then also after that it was like okay we might be in trouble here if we get into another serious situation.
1: Yeah, a lot of times uh I will try to pull my punches sometimes and and skirt around like unlucky character deaths like in earlier portions of campaigns um and save those kind of things for like the real high stakes Uh, portions of the story. Uh, Basically, like, if he had Critical glitched on his demolitions test to blow up the Yakuza Bunraku parlor, I probably wouldn't have, like, gone into uh, character death for that. I'd probably have it, like, blow up and, like, crash his beautiful west wind or something like that. Um, But, like, you know, kill off a car, not kill off a player. (laughs) But, like, if you kind of keep the the idea of, like, where the stakes are at, uh, it kind of amplifies how harsh something like a critical glitch is going to be because you want, because you've built up tension, you've built up the story, the momentum is going and you're really doing the story a disservice. If you pull your punches at that point.
0: The other thing I think that's really important, which I kind of glossed over earlier is that like, you should make sure that your players do realize that character death is an option on the table. The worst thing that can happen is you kill somebody's favored character off because they weren't being careful because they didn't think that you would kill them. Um, and I think that's a really important thing. It's the kind of thing that can like break a friendship if uh, if you're not too careful. Yeah,
1: it can definitely break up a group if uh, if not everyone's on the same page about when and where character death can happen. And we could go on to another tangent about, uh, about how you shouldn't really try to kill your care, your players. You shouldn't like, you know, just be a, a vindictive DM who's just constantly trying to like meat grind the party.
0: Well, but also, you know, if that's the kind of campaign you're running and you found the players that
1: like it. Right. Yes, that's true. So- figure out, figure out what everyone wants. Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's a, that's a whole other words with a GM for another day. Right. <laughs> so I, uh, want to go ahead and ask you what your favorite part was from the previous episode.
0: Ah, Well, this one was pretty easy. Um, So Crash 3.0 has this whole thing about elevators and them being super deadly and awful to us.
1: That's true. Uh, In series two, you guys took an elevator down during the gala job and uh, Kashmir got caught in a fight in the Astral and you guys had no idea and you all got ambushed by spirits. And then uh, in the beginning of this series, you guys took an elevator in SeaTac and you got shot. I got shot.
0: (laughs) But this time the elevator was definitely someone else else's enemy which i was really happy about um bumbles in uh, a moment of brilliance made a shape charge that just took care of a real big problem yeah. for
1: us. giant super well-kitted extremely skilled team of security guards climb in an elevator and become chunky
0: salsa <laughs> yep don't get in an elevator that's, that's one the of the most of deadly story.
1: things yeah
0: <laughs> uh so what was your favorite part
1: my favorite part actually somewhat involves an elevator as well. Boo. It's the uh, it's the other elevator. It's the elevator that took you guys down to the fourth floor, um, but it's not it's not specifically about the elevator. It's as you guys were returning to the elevator during the trap. That was set. And I asked everyone to roll a toxin resist test. Uh, The night before when I was prepping the session, I was just kind of like, oh, yeah, and this is this will be like the cool tension as they grab it. They have to like run out and get in the elevator and get out. And so, uh, yeah, there'll be some toxin. And I turned to the toxin pages in Shadow Room, not really having used them that often, and been like, yeah, Neurostun X. That sounds good. It will, like, it will really, like, deal some stun damage. It'll be great. But holy shit did that fuck you guys up and actually probably very much helped precipitate Bumble's death because he only got to roll, like, six dice because of all the wound modifiers from the toxin.
0: Yeah, yeah. And also he had used his edge.
1: It was real
0: rough, (laughs) yeah.
1: but it's my favorite part because I was just as shocked as you guys were about how effective that trap
0: was. (laughs) Yeah. It was certainly not kind to us. And I don't think we're done, uh, feeling those repercussions either.
1: Yeah. You guys are still in the middle of a lake, uh, and you have a whole bevy of clones to corral and save as well as, um, a fallen comrade to mourn. So I believe we should move on in and listen to Series 5, Episode 16, In Memoriam.
2: It started how it always starts. New team, new Johnson, new job. Except this time, it was different. First, the runners. You got Mouse, tiny sweet girl, more than a little funny in the head. But that doesn't matter much, considering she's the best fragging decker I've ever seen. Then there's Kashmir. About as green as they come, clearly out of his element. But when the cards were down, that boy proved to be one hell of a mage. Then you have Bumbles, Elf, Dryad, uh, Eccentric. If you're being polite, you command an entire arsenal of drones with enough firepower to level a whole fragging city block. He's the kind of runner you hope you don't need on a job, but if you do, you're friggin' glad to have him around. Then there's me, a big red oni named Boomer. My specialty is sneaking in, geeking anyone in the way, and as the leader of the group, keeping those three in line. Next the Johnson. On the surface, sounds pretty straightforward, the next runner called Pretty B. Fell off the grid a few years back, but I didn't ask why. I'm a professional. Not a line of work, people are entitled to the secrets. Weird thing was, he was paying us hand over fist to help people. I had his clearing out ghouls from the sewers and Redmond, for Frag's sake. Like I said, weird. But it's not often you get a line of jobs with a little bit of honor in them. So I was on board from day one.
0: After a while, we earned Bryn's, I mean Pretty Bee's trust. And he let us meet his employer, Lawrence Whitmore. Mr. Whitmore was the last genuine anti-establishment businessman. According to my friend, Doc, publicly, Mr. Whitmore had retired a long time ago when he was like really young, but he didn't really. It was all a ruse. And in secret, he started shadow running against the corporations. When he got too old to keep running, he switched to being a Johnson and hired a team of runners to continue the work he started. But not us. We come way later. The runners he hired back then were Bryn's team. Bryn, his sister, Enna, an elf named L'Oreal, and an adept named Jason Black. Bryn told us that all of them had died a long time ago, and that's why Mr. Whitmore was looking for a new team. And that's when he found us we could continue his mission to protect those who couldn't protect themselves, especially from the corporations. I learned from Doc that when you have the chance to do something good for somebody else, you should do it. So of course I agreed to help.
3: Unfortunately, no good deed goes unpunished and no organization rises without inspiring a rival. Havoc 66 arose as a dark mirror to Whitmore and Bren's work led by a madman called Hellion. It didn't take long before Hellion found out about us, and we learned that there was quite a lot that Whitmore wasn't telling us. Like that Hellion was actually the not-so-dead Jason Black, the very one that used to run with Bryn. Hellion had turned on his old team, slaughtering them as he defected from Whitmore's cause, which we would learn much later was because he wasn't just operating alone. See, the funny thing about magic is those of us who are able to harness it are as much under its influence as it is under ours. Hellion had gotten into bed with the wrong kind of spirit. A toxic one. Uh, The spirit drove him mad, uh, desiring only destruction. It took Whitmore's anti-corporation agenda and uh, perverted it, uh, causing Hellion to see violence as the only solution. But before we had a chance to prepare for the coming onslaught, Hellion made his move, against the corpse and Whitmore. He broke into the estate and murdered Whitmore right in front of us. Then he stole Whitmore's personal shuttle, blasting off into space. as The Hellion had set into motion a series of events that gave him the opportunity to hit the corporations where it would hurt them the most.
4: Now the thing about AAA Corpse is they're much too big to take down. That said, they did put quite a few of their eggs in one basket. Zurich Orbital Station. The station is, was, a seat of power for the AAAs. The Matrix, their bank, and even the corporate court was housed there. Like I said, a lot of eggs in one nice mid-sized space basket. Hellion's plan was to take over the station and crash it on Seattle. Not quite an extinction level event, but certainly a global catastrophe. Naturally, the only reasonable thing for us to do was follow him up into space and stop him. Which we did. Sort of. We definitely took Hellion out, just not before he had done enough damage to the station to send it careening earthward. But with a little help from Mouse, we managed to make the whole space station rigor interfaced. That's right, for a few glorious minutes, I was a space station. While rigged in, I had to break poor Zurich Orbital apart. It fell into the ocean in little bitty pieces, causing basically no damage at all. And we became global heroes. Except no one knows, because we're shadow runners, and the corpse would love to pin this on us. So we decided to lay low, in Whitmore's mansion. It was the only sensible choice. That's where we've been since then, keeping our heads down while Bryn lines up the next job.
5: And that's where I come in. This crusade Whitmore started is more than just a mission. It's my legacy. My name is Nim, and Lawrence Whitmore was my father. Whitmore sacrificed everything for his crusade against the corpse, including his relationship with my mother, L'Oreal. I never understood how he could just neglect us for his greater purpose. When I was old enough to join his team, he didn't offer, and I didn't ask. Some people would consider that a lucky break for me if they knew what happened next. When Jason Black murdered my mother, I faked my death and fled overseas. And it wasn't even hard, considering my ability to magically impersonate literally anyone I meet. I needed to start a new life as someone else. To get away from him and, well, everything. I never understood how important my father's mission was until after he died. And then, it was too late. It wasn't really a decision to come back to Seattle, it was... Something else, an an imperative. I have to try to make things right, in whatever way I can. I returned to the manor and met Brynn's new team. And apparently the mage they've been running with, this Kashmir guy, ended up just like Jason. He turned toxic, betrayed his team, and ran away. I can understand why they've had some trouble trusting me. It took me this long to start letting people back into my life after a toxic mage tore it apart. Hopefully, they're not as slow on the uptake.
1: The last time we left Crash 3.0, they had made their way down into the secret underwater base for Evo's Project Zoria. They had successfully navigated their way in, and upon entering the base, uh, saw that the clone known as Echo was being brought out of the detention center and moved into... Uh, the area of the base dedicated to programmable assist biofeedback, a type of mind-altering application of biofeedback that can reprogram people's entire personalities. Upon seeing this, D'Artagnan haphazardly ran up uh, and engaged in the clones who were escorting Echo, uh, while Crash 3.0 continued with the mission at hand. They snuck their way down to the lower levels of the base and were eventually rejoined by Echo and Dart. Dart significantly wounded from his fight, uh, and Echo apparently revealing herself to not be acting against Crash 3.0 in the ways that they thought. Apparently she had, had been forced to act that way to preserve her life as she was under the very watchful eye uh, of her handler. Uh, though she had laid the groundwork for an eventual escape of all of the younger clones in the base. Crash 3.0 then made their way down into the labyrinth fourth floor of Project Zoria, where they found the Wellspring of Life, also sometimes referred to as the Fountain of Youth. They collected the crystal that is the Wellspring, and made their way back up, and that's when things got a little messy. They were hit with a, with a significant amount of, of neuro-stun, and then an alarm was tripped due to the clones that D'Artagnan killed, and uh, they had to basically make a hot extraction, splitting up to try and achieve as many objectives as possible. Uh, Bumble's rigged the base to explode echo and d'artagnan went to engage the head of project zoria uh, and give the command word to all of the younger clones that echo had secretly programmed into them that gave her complete control over their actions uh, meanwhile mouse nim and boomer went to engage the security team and and adult clones who uh, were acting against them When the command word was given by Echo to the clones, it turned out that uh, something had gone wrong. And instead of her programming taking hold, the clones immediately reset to, uh, to some kind of error setting where they lost, seemed to lose all willpower and mindlessly plugged themselves in to all of the programmable assist biofeedback chairs in the base, awaiting someone to fix the error. In the heat of the moment, Bumbles was the nearest, and he decided to jump in uh, to the master chair so he could fix the, the problem, uh, trusting his his friend and drone Red Leader when he said he could be of assistance. However, unfortunately... Due to a critical glitch. (laughs) Uh, When Bumbles was setting the explosives earlier in the session, he had made a fatal error that caused the chain of explosions to start prematurely, damaging the chair he was in and trapping him in it. Uh, His mind being slowly cooked by too much biofeedback. The team scrambled to try anything they could to save him before they realized it was potentially too late. They decided not to leave his body behind and yanked him out of the chair. He was hit with a lethal dose of biofeedback and died. Uh, The team then had to make an extremely daring escape, having pushed their time limit all the way to the edge. Uh, Mouse barely managing to pilot uh, the submarine out of the collapsing base uh, behind all of the other submarines they had commandeered to escort the clones. That Bumbles had indeed Uh, managed to save by fixing the program error. You guys are now approaching the surface of the lake. Uh, The submarines containing the clones are going wherever you commanded them to, Mouse, um, and Boomer's holding Bumbles's limp, dead body in his hands, uh, attempting to pour whatever remaining water that was touched by the wellspring uh, onto his wounds and down his throat in a, in a hope that perhaps he will be resuscitated. However, uh, Boomer, you have no luck.
2: Come on, mate. Come on. And uh, as the last of the water comes out of the canteen, he just throws the canteen on the ground and uh, his head drops while still holding Bumbles.
0: Uh, Dart, uh, come up here. Don't don't surface or anything. Just just come up here. Can you drive and don't touch that thing in the front seat? Don't touch that drone.
1: Uh, He climbs up to the front seat uh, to swap swap places with you. And he kind of looks confusedly at Red Leader, uh, who does have a damaged rotor. uh, And you've kind of just like shoved him into the uh, the passenger seat there. He looks a little confused, but at the moment. Adrenaline's still running really high. He doesn't like question you at all. He helps you get out of the chair, and he takes her place and takes control. And he's like, "Well, there's a first time for everything," and uh, he kind of like matches wherever the the clones are.
0: Yeah, they. Um, I sent them to a reasonable distance below the surface, um, not to. Because I wanted to make sure that there wasn't some crazy, like, Evo Force or something above the water, like, when the emergency was tripped. Sure. But first, I I buckle this safety belt around Red Leader so he can't get out. Sure. Um, and then I climb in the back, and I take the Wellspring from Nim's Pocket. I take the RCC from... Bumbles' jacket, and I take my med kit from Echo, (laughs) and um, I'm going to try and um, bring Nim out of her
1: um, unconsciousness. Right, that's correct. Nim did uh, go unconscious, creating quite a lot of physical barriers to aid you in your escape. Uh, Yeah, go for it. Roll first aid.
0: That is seven hits.
1: Nim, you heal seven stun damage, and you're all good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, as good as you can be in this situation, but you, do, you are conscious. Uh, what? I will look over at Boomer and Bumbles. You see uh, a heartbroken Boomer holding uh, Bumbles' corpse. Empty canteen at his feet.
5: Boomer. Yeah. <sighs> Mouse,
0: what? where Where are we? I need to make sure that it's uh, safe. Yeah, can I use the sensors on the submarine to, like, sense what's around us?
1: Yeah, uh, uh, the sensor rating on the submarine is five, so you can roll ten dice okay. uh, to kind of get a lay of the land using the sensors. Three? Right, what are you looking for? Boats. Uh, you pick up two large vessels, uh, not too far from where you are. They're, they're much bigger than the, the, the um, and larger than these kind of small, uh, submersibles that Evo had down there. And they seem like if you sit there and watch them for a while, like they're moving as if on patrol. Um, but they're, they're not like really leaving this area.
0: Okay. They could, they could just be Maria... Silva she she could just be doing what she said she would do or it could it could be e- evo if there it could e- e- echo how, how how likely is it that it's 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 evo do you know uh,
1: she kind of like straightens up when you say her name and like winces uh due to the uh mostly healed bullet wound in her gut um rubbing up against the straps uh, the chair. Uh, and then she says, uh, ah, it's unlikely they'd have this fast of a response time. Um, as far as I can tell, the site was to be more or less uh, self-contained and autonomous, though I wouldn't be surprised if the security team had some sort of way to send an all out SOS to Evo, uh, whether they managed to do that or not, send some kind of drone up to the surface to give a message to Kenji Perhaps, whether they were able to achieve that or not, uh, I would be extremely surprised if he was able to get two patrol boats in the water that quickly.
5: I will dial Maria on my comlink. Ooh, you don't have signal. Oh, we're, st- we're, st- we're still that far down.
0: Yeah, we're we're probably like at least I don't know twenty or thirty feet down.
1: Yeah. Dart looks around at some of the controls and goes, This is a stealth ship, yes? Yeah. Do you want me to try to get closer to the surface? Maybe we can get some more intel with your deck?
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea.
1: Alright. He like kind of like almost for a second looks like he's regretting even suggesting it. And he goes, uh, yeah, yeah, here goes. And he like, <laughs> uh, can you
0: maybe turn us on our side?
1: Ugh, I can try. <laughs> Why
0: the coating kind of got scratched a little when I almost killed us? Uh,
1: you mean when you saved us? He says as he like goes to press a button, stops and looks at it and goes, "Oh no, it's this one." And he presses a button, and the uh, the chameleon coating uh, makes you guys hard to see. And then he's like, "All right, everyone, hold on." maneuvering <laughs> and he tries and you see he starts to tilt the ship the wrong way and then he fixes it and tilts it the correct way and starts raising up at like an angle uh, tilting the good side of the chameleon coating upward um, and he can get you guys pretty close to the surface and he's like is this close enough? Yes. Alright you're operating at a minus five.
0: Can I suppress the noise?
1: Uh, yeah you can try.
0: Uh, Three hits.
1: Yeah, you can, you can pick up uh, the, the matrix signals of these two ships. It's, they're a little fuzzy, um, but they are broadcasting. Uh, they're not like running stealth or anything like that. It's really easy to pick them up, and you get enough detail on them uh, that uh, you do know that they are Lone Star patrol boats.
0: Okay. Um,
2: um... Let's surface the clones, get them on the patrol boats to safety first. Then we'll figure out what we are going to do.
0: Is that a good idea? I I'd, What if she wants to take them to Lone Star and like register them and give them like public sins and then the clone program is out there and and then everything changes.
5: I think we can convince Maria that going to the care is the best thing for everyone.
0: Is she even allowed to know about it?
1: D'Artagnan kind of like thinks for on it for a bit and he goes, "Well, she wouldn't be allowed and she could help us get the clones nearby though if she if she helps us with this I don't see why the elders would deny her entry
0: yeah we'll just we have to we have to just go I guess so so we'll go up first and and we'll go up first yeah yeah we'll we'll go up first okay
2: I'll stay here with Bumbles
1: Dart kind of like sits there and goes all right which boat am I going to do we call
0: her can I matrix perception to see if her comlinks? Uh, yeah,
1: with your with your original matrix perception, you can you can find her icon and figure out which boat she's on. Okay, easily enough. That one. Oh, okay, I'll. Uh, uh, everyone strap in. Maneuvering, <laughs> and D'Artagnan moves along below the surface, nearby the boat, and then like awaits instruction. You guys are kind of floating underneath this patrol boat, f- shadowing it.
0: There's like a sunroof. <laughs> Right? Uh,
1: That's, I mean, if you open the sunroof, it filled the... No,
0: I mean, like, if we, like, surfaced, we could get out through the sunroof? Yes. Okay. (laughs)
5: Dart, um, can you pull us up alongside? Okay. And
1: then he, he, like, moves to the side and comes up alongside the the boat. You guys can look up through the sunroof. You see um, uh, it's got, like, an enclosed cabin. It, It doesn't actually have that much of a, like, exterior deck. It's pretty large. It looks like uh, uh, it could hold a lot of people. It's hard to say how many people are inside it because you can't really see from your angle up into like where any of the windows would be.
0: How many comlinks do I see?
1: Uh, you see four comlinks on this boat and four comlinks on the other boat.
5: Should we call her? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, let's call her. Badoop.
1: Uh, it rings a little bit, like half a second, and then it picks up. Detective Silva.
5: Maria, tell me you're in the middle of Lake Washington.
1: I am. I got two patrol boats uh, running a training exercise right now.
5: Can, can you come out to the deck of one, Which,
1: whichever one you're on? Yes. And then there's a, a bit of a pause, and then you see her kind of, like, come up to the front of the ship, standing on, like, the, the point, looking around. She goes, all right, I'm there. And then she looks and sees you guys and goes, oh,
5: Jesus Christ. Hey, um, so we've got a bunch of people, more than we thought. How many? Thirty, thirty-six, uh, some, somewhere in that range. And uh, she nods and goes, okay,
1: um, well, each, I can fit eight, maybe 12 if I cramp on each ship. Um, but we- I, I, like I said, I, I have this all set up. These are, these are the people running these exercises are people I trust. And, um, I can, uh, we can continue that guys as far as Lone Star is concerned. I can, we can get, uh, land, we have land vehicles nearby that can, that can be loaded up. I can try to get enough to move. How many did you say?
5: Like 35 people.
1: Yeah. I can, I can try to. It only would take, uh, like six or seven cars.
5: Okay. We're going to have to move as fast as we can. I, as we have to assume that we're being tailed. Oh,
1: prisoner transfer exercise there. We'll do it like that. I can get, I can get some, uh, some, some, uh, prisoner transfer vehicles. We can fit more people in there. It'll have less of a profile. Where are we moving them to?
5: It's, it's going to have to be an undisclosed location. We're, we're moving them to the woods. Basically we've, we've got a safe house.
1: Do we have Evo on our tail? Do, how fast do we need to move? We we need to move. Uh, Dart. And uh, uh, you say that, and the ship jolts just slightly, and he goes, "Yeah, yeah, huh?"
5: Can you help Maria get all of the clones to the care?
1: Uh, yes, yes, I can. With with Echo with me, I, we can get all the clones loaded up.
5: Okay, I think you two need to stay here. We've
1: you have business to attend to. I understand.
5: Yeah. Uh, we'll meet
1: up with you afterwards. And, uh, D'Artagnan turns to Mouse and goes, uh, the, the Wellspring, you have it, yes? I do. I need to return it to Grandmaster
5: Grundelfuck.
0: I think I'm, I think I'm going to come with you, so.
5: Mouse, are you,
0: are you sure? <clears throat> yeah, I have a, 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 we have a few things that we have to do. We can't, we can't stop now. And and you guys I'll call I'll call spot. He can bring me home and, and you guys can take the submissive and I'll be home Really soon. I just there's a couple of things we have to do. We can't stop the mission now. That's not That's not what we would do So so you guys you guys go home and, and I'll be there really soon Okay Um.
5: I'll put my hand on mouse's shoulder Call us right away if you need anything, okay? I will. Alright. And then I'll I'll turn away and I'm gonna turn back and I'm gonna wrap mouse in a bear hug and I'm gonna say be safe.
0: I will. It's I'm not doing anything dangerous.
2: Come back safe, Mouse.
0: We'll load up onto the ships. I'm gonna take off my disguise <laughs> that I've been wearing this whole time. And um
1: Mouse, you, Dart, and Echo climb up onto the boat that Maria Silva's on. Uh, she's already starting to give orders in, uh, in the radio. She's like, alright, prisoner extract, double time, uh, uh, get the get the vans to the North Shore, we'll meet them up there. Uh, uh, start loading up, uh, loading up your, your prisoners, boys. And, uh, uh, you see, like, the other boat start to, like, move and, like, you see as the the submarines with the clones like, kind of pull up and everything, and and, uh, Echo goes, I'm going to have to give them the order to follow the command as soon as the boats are open. And Maria Silva looks at her and looks at you, Mouse, and like blinks. She goes, blinks a little bit because she sees that she's wearing a jumpsuit that says Echo 8 on it. And she goes, Must be quite a story what happened down there. Crash 3.0 just seems to keep collecting bad guys. And uh, Echo, like, kind of like lowers her head and doesn't say anything. And Dart just grins. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, it is a long story. And. Well, tell it, tell it to you, just not now.
1: Yes, uh, and she like kind of like gets a she's like on the head of the ship still and starts like you know giving hand signals to the other boat, so it starts like moving to like collect some uh, some of the clones. And as as the tops pop off of the uh, the submarines, uh, Echo kind of like shouts out to the clones and instructs them to follow the the uh, the officers. And you you do see like. These officers are like doing their job, they're doing what they're supposed to, but they they see what like what they're collecting, and they're very confused <laughs> um but none of them like they're actually all kind of you would expect like she said training exercise they're not young these guys they're they're like forties uh at at minimum uh and they're they're loading up like the the clones and like giving them uh uh giving them towels and stuff as they climb up. Uh, and then moving them into the lower decks of the ships. Um, meanwhile, the submissive makes its way towards, uh, Bellevue, eventually finds its way onto land <laughs> and, uh, drives towards Whitmore's Manor with Nim, uh, Boomer and Bumbles' his corpse. Uh, Nim and Boomer, you guys make it back to the manor. What do you do?
5: Boomer, can you, can you take him into the garage? Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go get Bryn.
2: Good luck. And uh, we'll sit up and uh, carry Bumbles into the garage, uh, clear off a table, and lay him on there.
1: Yeah, you do that, Boomer. Uh, Nim, you get into the, uh, the manor, and um, as you do, uh, uh, Bryn is coming out of the study, and he kind of meets you in the foyer, and he, he like looks at you and he goes, How'd it go? Bryn,
5: you should sit down. What? What happened? It. We we got all the clones out, and um, we de- We destroyed the base. It's gone. Good. Good. Uh, Maria um,
1: Maria seemed to have a pretty solid evac. I think. Uh, I think she she has some guys that she can trust. I vetted all of their backgrounds. Uh, I think uh, she can. She'll be able to like get them where they need to go. Um, where, where's the rest of the team? Uh, you guys split up. Some of some of you went with uh, Maria to escort the clones.
5: Yeah, um, there's there's a lot to go through. Echo is helping us, and she and D'Artagnan and Mouse are um, taking the clones to the care. And um, wow, well, he like he smiles and goes, "Wow, Echo, huh.
1: I'm surprised uh, Bumbles didn't just kill her when when he saw her. I mean, he had like 13 different plans for how to how to take her out. I'm glad uh, I'm glad you guys probably stopped him."
5: Bryn, there, there was a, a PAB unit, and um, there was there was some issue with the clones. We, Echo had a plan, and we were gonna get them out. And um, Bryn, he, he's he's gone. It was there was too much biofeedback, and the explosions went off at the wrong time, and uh, the. Place was collapsing and it damaged the machine, wait, wait, or wait, 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 wait. Slow, slow down, slow down. So, who I'm sorry, we tried, we do, we really tried to save him. He sits there and he, like,
1: kind of mouths like half of a word, like a couple times, like he's trying to figure out what to say. Uh, mouse, where's red leader at? Uh, he's with me, okay. Um, and uh, you see, uh, you do see in your matrix, like, he kicks online for a second mm-hmm. and then turns off. And, uh, Nim, uh, sitting there struggling, like, to say stuff. You see, like, tears welling up in his eyes. Uh, he, like, kind of, like, looks, like, a little weak in the knees and, like, leans and, like, press, like, catches himself on, like, one of the, like, desks nearby.
5: I'll immediately jump forward to grab him.
1: And, uh, then he, like, blinks a little bit and, like, a couple of his tears, like, fleck his cheeks and, uh, he like looks at something in his AR and like, he raises like one hand and kind of like presses something and, uh, just like makes it visible to you to, uh, Nim as he watches a video. It seems like.
4: Hi Bryn. Um, I'm sorry. I couldn't get us all back safe this time. 35 eight year olds were going to die. So I got in the brain melting cyber chair. I figured it's what you would have done. Please remember to live a life beyond saving the world in the hub. You don't have to do it all on your own. This last bit is important. I've always been willing to do anything to make sure Crash 3.0 comes out alive. I won't ask you to compromise your morals, but please be willing to consider every option, even the ones only I would think of. It's a burden I'm sure you already understand. I love you. Um, please tell Jerry I died slaying the ghoul queen. (laughs) (laughs) At that, Bryn
1: like barks out like a laugh, and then falls to his knees and starts sobbing.
5: Uh, I'm gonna put put my arms around him and just kind of hold him and uh, send Boomer a private DNI that says we're gonna be a minute.
2: Take your time.
5: Meanwhile, Mouse, uh, you are you are watching
1: as uh, the clones are very very quickly loaded up onto the ships. It does take an extra trip from one of the ships to get all of them. Um, and they're very quickly and efficiently uh, loaded into uh, the vans. You're just watching as, like, all these guys, like, they're doing this. And, like, some of them, like, they none of them come up and, like, ask Maria what's going on. They all are just doing their job quietly. But, like, everyone's exchanging a lot of weird looks. And they're definitely looking at you and Echo, like, calling the shots, too. there with Maria. And, uh, uh, but, like, you, you, you don't see any of them seeming to do anything hinky Um, and you definitely uh, uh, don't you know assuming competency you're monitoring Matrix around here and you don't see them like doing anything in the Matrix necessarily and you just they all seem pretty weirded out by what's going on and once they once they get all the clones loaded up into the van the one of them the one who seemed to be in charge the one who seemed to be like with Maria mostly, like, shouting out orders and coordinating everything, uh, he, like, closes up the last van and he comes up to Maria, noticeably making, like, a side glance at you and Echo. Where are we taking them, boss? And Maria looks at
0: you. Um. So I'm going to give them the coordinates, and then I'm going to tell Spot to meet me there.
1: Okay. Boomer, you're sitting there... Uh... Uh, in the garage with, with bumbles, uh, laid out in front of you. And you hear, uh, as, uh, spot kicks to life and starts driving out through the garage. Yeah. And, uh, they, they load up the vans, uh, you and Maria getting one echo and dark getting another, um, and, uh, all these guys, uh, start escorting the clones
0: whenever we get there.
1: Yep. Uh, it's going to take a little bit. (laughs) Nim, uh, through, through the sobs, like, Bryn seems to, like, finally catch his breath enough to be like, I want to see him.
5: Oh, okay. Um, here, let me, let me help you. Boomer's with him. He's, he's in the garage.
1: Yeah, he, like, puts his arm around you and, like, wipes, uh, wipes his face clean. And, uh, starts, like, walking out into the, uh, into the, the grounds. And he, like, he stops, he's like, Mouse, where's, where's Mouse.
5: She's, she's okay. She's, um, she's helping Echo and and D'Artagnan get the clones into the care.
1: And he nods, he goes, good, good. Okay. And, uh, Boomer, the garage door opens again and you see Nim and Bryn uh, walk their way in. Nim doesn't make it halfway to Bumble's, uh, before he, like, lets out, like, a, uh, like, kind of pained noise. And then, like, he removes himself from you, Nim, and, like, walks ahead of you, like, reaching, like, a trembling hand towards Bumble's, his breath shaking, his eyes just, like, bleeding tears over his face. He moves one stray hair back into place on Bumble's head, and, uh, and like, he, like, tries to force a smile and, and goes, that's better, and, like, kind of, like, pats Bumble's, his, like, face, and he goes... That's better. And just kind of like sits there looking at Bumbles.
2: I'm sorry, Bren. I'm sorry. Boomer puts his uh, face back into his hand. And he just sits there quietly.
5: I'm going to walk over and grab Boomer's hand and just stand next to him.
2: Boomer takes it and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a squeeze, but he means well.
5: My face doesn't change.
1: Uh, you guys sit there for a while uh, in silence as uh, as Bryn kind of like like contemplates what's going on. Really, just like eventually sits down, keeping a hand on like Bumbles' like elbow as he does. And Just kind of sits there and seems to be like processing it, like horror stricken face. Mouse, eventually, uh, your kamikaze wears off.
0: Ow! <laughs> yeah. Uh a and nice shot of s- blood you- comes out of my nose. Oh no.
1: <laughs> yeah, you take six stun damage. Mm-hmm. Are you still
0: conscious? Uh yes. Okay. I'm gonna try and med kit that real quick. Sure. Okay.
1: <laughs> and uh on the journey, um uh, Maria Silva is asking you like what went down.
0: Sure. Um I think I give her a sterilized version of what happened, because I can't and don't lie, but I can uh, omit things like all of those jarred babies. I don't think I tell. Him, I don't think I tell her about those.
1: <laughs> okay, uh, when you get to when you get to Bumbles,
0: I don't tell her about Bumbles. I don't talk about it at all.
1: Okay, so you skip you skip over the fact that Bumbles is dead.
0: Yeah, Echo gave them the order. We got them all in. The submarines.
1: Okay. Uh yeah. So she she like nods and, and goes like says she's glad everyone made it out.
0: To which I do not respond.
1: Yeah. Uh that's more or less what you're doing during the journey down there. Uh and also med yourself a little bit, apparently. How much did you get on that? Four hits. Alright, you heal two. And then you got you get to like the location. Mm-hmm. Um and uh she like she's like Where where are we going? Uh just this building? You want us to unload in this building?
0: Is Spot here yet?
1: Uh, yeah, Spot's nearby.
0: Okay. Uh, this van is going to take them uh, from here.
1: Well, like four or five at a time?
0: Um, He can fit a, a little bit more than that. Um, But uh, from here, there's a bit of off-roading that needs to be done.
1: She nods and goes, I mean, I'm, you guys are calling the shots on this, so...
0: It's, it's, the whole thing is a, it's a secret.
1: Right. No, you don't have to explain. Uh, this is, this is me squaring away. You guys saving my life.
0: Okay. Um.
1: And, uh, she, she, like, grabs her, her comm and goes, all right, boys, we're going to wait here. They're going to escort the prisoners to a location off road. Uh, and then we got to get these, and then we got to get these vans back to HQ before they start asking too many questions. And, uh, D'Artagnan and Echo get out of their car and, uh, uh. Meet up with you, and D'Artagnan's like, "All right, we're doing single trips here."
0: I don't see another way.
1: Okay, and then as you say that, your stim patch wears off.
0: I pass out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you take six more stun damage, uh, and you're you're unconscious now. Yep. Okay. Uh, Nim and Boomer.
5: Uh, at some point, I'm gonna kind of tug at Boomer's hand and say, "Let's give him a little bit. Come on, I'll make us a cup of coffee." And, uh, walk with the boomer back into the, the mansion. Okay. Uh, yeah.
2: it's probably a good idea. Yeah. Plus I probably should get out of this armor. <laughs>
1: yeah, boomer, yeah. Can
5: you help me fix this arm? <laughs>
1: <laughs> boomer, you get, you get changed. Uh, you guys go to the clinic. Nim, it'll take care of your arm easy enough. Uh, and, uh, uh, you go and you make a cup of coffee, and as you guys are, like, finishing up, like, halfway through your first cup of coffee... Uh... I don't drink it. I just make it. Okay. <laughs> as, you guys are, uh, as you guys finish up making the first cup of coffee, uh, you hear the front door open up, and uh, you hear movement around in, in the mansion. And then, uh, eventually, uh, Brynn finds you guys in the kitchen.
5: Hey, do you want a cup?
1: he like doesn't really say yes but he like goes and reaches
2: for it and nods I got some Irish cream if you want that's how I like my coffee
1: shakes his head and goes no um no thank you though um I was in the middle of researching um Eileen Flynn Roy Oliver uh looking for any connections any patterns uh I'm I think I'm just gonna go and keep working on that for a bit.
2: Oh, uh, all right. If you need any help, uh, I'll. I'm here. And he like nods, and he goes, "I know.
1: I, I I know." And he walks out and heads down into the hub.
2: I think I'm gonna finish this up and head down to the range, blow off some steam. You can come if you want
5: um i'm i'm good thanks thanks boomer um think i'll just uh I'm sure I can find something to do
2: all right same deal i'm here if you need me and uh, he he pats her shoulder, walks towards his armory
1: and uh you guys kinda like. Mourn through the night, <laughs> mouse. You eventually wake up. Neat. Uh, you're laying on a on a bed. Uh, yeah, it's actually it is D'Artagnan's room, so you recognize it sure. as it is. Okay. Um, and uh, Elder Mizashi Mako is uh, kneeling nearby you. Um, her hands kind of glowing, and uh, you heal you heal eight points of damage. Hi.
0: Thank you. Um, hi.
1: And she, she like smiles and goes, hello, little one. Uh, and sits you up and goes, are you feeling better?
0: Yes. Thank you.
1: And, uh, you see behind her, uh, Grundlefug is, uh, standing. Um, and he is like giving you like a soft smile. Um. Hi. They have taken your jacket off of you. It's like hanging nearby. Um.
0: Where's Red Leader?
1: Uh, Red Leader's also, like, leaning up against the wall there, Um, and they kind uh, of—Elder or Mako uh, stands up and grabs, like, your things and kind of, like, hands them back to you, Uh, and when you grab your jacket, you you do feel that the Wellspring of Life is no longer there. Uh, Your deck is, but the Wellspring isn't.
0: Wait, did you take it?
1: She stands up and, like, kind of bows and goes, I'll let you two talk, and then uh, walks out, and it's just you and Grundlefug. And uh, he sits across from you. You've done a, a great thing. Those, those clones, we can help them here. I know. And the wellspring is safe. We put it in our, uh, in our vault.
0: Do you know how to work it? Could it bring someone back to life?
1: He lowers his head and like, kind of shakes it and he goes, I've, uh, in all of my years, I've never actually seen or held the wellspring and... It will be some time before we're able to unlock any of its secrets. Though, if anyone can find a way, this relic can be utilized safely. It's the elders here in the care. Unfortunately, or I do not believe I can help your friend. D'Artagnan told me what happened.
0: Yeah, okay. That's... that's okay. Um, that's... that's... how it is. So, um... We have I'm supposed to be able to unlock it, just so you know. That's, like, my whole purpose in being a person. So if you get close, you should call me. I have to go. Uh,
1: of, of course. And he, like, puts out his hand to, like, help you up. And uh, is there anything I can do to be of more assistance? Uh, the care is at your disposal.
0: Um. Uh. We're going to have a funeral if you want to come but you don't leave, so probably not. I'll come visit. Um, he, thank he, you for everything.
1: He smiles a bit and goes, I do leave the care with relative frequent, frequency. Uh, pass the message along to me through D'Artagnan. Okay. Um, and as you like, collect your things um, and you're about to leave, he takes your hand and uh, puts his other hand on your shoulder. And he goes, uh, the care is forever in your debt. I... I'm in your debt. He reaches into like his uh, into his robes and uh, pulls out. You see a chain produce, and then a crystal fall out at the end of it. And he and he presents it to you.
0: Oh, um, thank you.
1: And he goes. D'Artagnan has shown you how to use it.
0: You stick it in the ground.
1: There are <laughs> <laughs> there are some words to be said alongside it.
0: Okay, Nim is magic. You can probably <laughs> figure it out.
1: I'll have D'Artagnan speak with her, then.
0: <laughs> okay. Thank you.
1: No, thank you, Mouse.
0: I put it on. Wait, do I have to know the words to get out?
1: D'Artagnan can see you out.
0: Okay. Is he here? We should go. I need to go.
1: He's outside the dojo.
0: Okay. Thank you. I run out. Wait. I strap on the giant drone and then <laughs> then
1: leave. <laughs> sure. You strap Red Leader onto your back and then you, you run out, uh uh Grundelfug watching you go. Uh D'Artagnan is uh outside the dojo. He he's um like seems to be talking with uh Echo and then like they see you coming and Echo like nods to him and he nods to her and then she goes like down the street uh um to where you see like some of the some of the clones are being given like clothes and stuff and they are they're still all standing there mindless. Mm. Uh and Echo like says a couple words and they like start picking up their stuff. And uh Dart, like, as you get to him, he runs up to you and gives you a hug.
0: Uh, um.
1: And he goes, I'm sorry. I didn't have time to say it before.
0: Um, thank you. We're going to have a funeral, so, um, you're invited. Also, I need to leave. So, um, it's, can I don't, I have a thingy, but I don't know how to use it.
1: Oh, um, <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, here, uh. Let's, let's go to the, uh, to the pillars, and I'll see you out. Okay. And uh, as you're walking there, he, like, presses some buttons in his AR and then sends you, like, a data packet. This is the formula for the crystals. Uh, Nim should be able to utilize it.
0: Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll give it to her. I'll let her know. Um, also, when you get the chance, could you... Um, something's been bothering me. Could you ask, could you ask Echo um, how she found us?
1: He he kinda like grins as you guys are walking up the stairs of the pillar, he goes, I, I asked her that myself, actually. Apparently, in their search for you, uh, Echo, once she knew that your na- your hand your shadow running handle was mouse, uh started using that to narrow the scope. And uh and he kinda like shrugs and goes, Maria submitted a police report with all of your names in it. So Echo caught on to that, and uh, her Simon ordered her to watch Maria, thinking that she would be a contact point.
0: That makes sense. We can't be sloppy like that anymore. And keep walking.
1: And he walks up there in silence with you, and then...
0: I'm out of breath when we get to the top, because (laughs) we've been walking pretty fast.
1: (laughs) And then you get to the uh, top, he clutches his crystal, says a couple words under his breath, and there's that bright white light that engulfs you and in... and you appear you
0: have 10 texts
1: from Nim. <laughs> yeah and uh uh it's starting to drizzle a bit
0: okay are are you coming with me or are you staying
1: i feel like i should stay and and help uh uh get the refugees okay uh, situated um i am going to be uh topside for a bit or uh, in a short while um echoes of my first Uh, first task is to get our hands on a PAB so we can start getting the clones free. Yeah. Of what happened to them.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, you can always come to the mansion and she she can too.
1: He taps the, the crystal around your neck and goes, and you have a key to my place as well.
0: Yeah, I just stick it in the ground and say some words. I know. Grundlefug told me (laughs) um okay and then spots this way
1: uh yeah i'll walk you (laughs) (laughs) and uh, you guys walk through the woods a little bit uh and then eventually you find spot
0: okay um i read nim's texts are they just like where are you they're like
5: hey how's it going hey did you get to the care okay the the last one says we don't need to talk i just want to know that you're okay
0: Yeah, so I text back. Yeah, I'm okay. I was in the care. I passed out. Ha ha. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then um, have a few more errands. We'll be back soon. Let me know if you need anything. Oh, here. Look at this. And I send you the formula.
1: (laughs) (laughs) You get a magical formula. (laughs) It's really, really old looking. (laughs) Thanks.
0: (laughs) thanks mark. <laughs> cool, so um based on where I am right now is the entrance to the orc underground um Tacoma or Redmond closer to where I am right now
1: um in order of proximity, it would be Tacoma is closer d- depending on where you're going in Tacoma uh maybe like the northwestern part is a little further, but uh. Most of Tacoma is closer to you, then next closest would be the entrance to the York Underground, and then furthest from you is Redmond.
0: Okay. Um, okay, so um, I'm going to go to Lockham and Greps.
1: Okay. they're Yeah, they're in southern Tacoma, so they're pretty close. Okay. Spot drives you there. All right. Uh, you get out. It looks like they're uh, getting ready to lock up shop.
0: Cool. Um, I go in. And really, without ceremony, because I don't know how to do it. I just I say, um, "Hi, do you Hello. remember me?" Um,
1: yes, your your, m- 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 I think it's mouse, dear mouse. Yeah, your mouse.
0: Yes. Um. So Bumble's was my friend. Yes, we we
1: remember we remember, but. Bumble's always talked about you when he was in for his fittings.
0: Um, Do you have his measurements still? Of course. He is one of our best
3: customers.
0: Cool, cool. Um, Okay, well, so first thing, I need a replacement jacket for his multicolored suit. All right. That's easy enough. Okay. Um, And then the other thing is is that um, he uh, died. He's, yeah. Oh, um, Rockham, what? Bumbles? He died on the job. I
1: assume he died on the job. Yeah. Oh, so it's always unfortunate when one of our cli- when one of our clients dies.
0: Um, we're gonna have a funeral. Oh, if you want to come. Of course. Okay. We loved Bumbles. Oh, I I did too. Um, and. Uh, yeah, and I need the jacket because we have this, like, big glass case that we keep dead people's things in, and so we need his whole suit. What, like a display case? Yeah. Oh, all right. I'll get to work on on a
1: replacement for his jacket. Oh, the jacket was damaged in the fight.
0: No, but we had to leave it behind.
1: Oh, well, all right then. Do you need a suit for the funeral as well?
0: I don't know.
1: And, like, she puts, she puts her hand, like, her giant hand on top of your little tiny human hand. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, we'll go ahead and make a suit just in case. And all of this. And Lockham, uh steps up and goes, free of charge.
0: Okay, thank you. Um, I have to go do the other things. And, thank you.
1: And Grep goes, of course, sweetie. And anything you need, anything at all, you can come to us. And she kneels down and gives you a big hug and Lockham kind of like looms over and gives you a hug as well. And then you kind of like sit there and like pat you mm-hmm. a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then they break away and she goes, all right, we'll get to work right away.
0: Thank, thank you. Thank you. I got it. Good. There's things I have other leaving things. <laughs> I leave and I get in Spot, try really hard not to cry, uh, and I will go to Redmond. Okay. I have a question about the inventory of Spot. Okay. Is there a grenade? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, It
1: takes a while for you to get to Redmond, Mm -hmm. uh, especially since Spot's doing most of the driving and, you know, gives it a hell of a try, but, you know, he doesn't. He doesn't know all the tricks that Bumbles used to know. Yeah. Uh, So it takes a while. And you have to sit in traffic a little longer than you would normally. And it's quiet. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You're just, you know, sitting there uh, alone. Just you and Red Leader in the car with Spot. Mm -hmm. He doesn't seem active and Mm -hmm. you look at him in the Matrix. Uh, And then, yeah, eventually you get to Redmond.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, we stare at each other for a while. What, you and Red Leader.
1: Okay, you stare at a drone for a while. (laughs) I do.
0: And then I'm going to find an abandoned lot in
1: Redmond. In Redmond? Yeah. That's not too hard to come by, so sure. All
0: right. So I'm going uh, to turn on the wireless capability for this grenade, (laughs) and I'm going to run out into the middle of the lot. Yeah. And I'm going to set it down, and then I'm going to go back into um, Spot, okay. and then blow up the grenade.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there's an explosion. Uh heavy explosive grenade goes off in the middle of Redmond, uh, you hear, like, a, a dog barking in the distance. A couple people seem to, like, come out and look in the lot, and they see Spot. You see, like recognition in their eyes and they move out of the way and get back in their house. You sit there. Nothing happens for a while. How long do you sit there?
0: Half an hour. You can get anywhere in Redmond in a half an hour.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In half an hour, nothing, nothing happens. You just kind of sit there. The rain's starting to come down a little more.
0: Mm. I'm going to, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to, is there any explosive foam?
1: There's one canister of rating six explosive foam that uh, that Bumbles has in the glove compartment.
0: Okay, (laughs) I'm gonna spray some rating six explosive foam. Mm -hmm. Um, I get back in spot and I blow it up.
1: Okay, roll demolitions for me. (laughs)
0: Okay, three hits.
1: Okay, you apply it and then you uh, you know set down the can nearby the 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 foam. Move back, get in the car. Beep, <laughs> and uh, that wall blows up, and uh, it seems like it was at least partially a load-bearing wall for the floor above it, because uh, like a corner of that building just kind of like crumples and explodes and falls.
5: As soon as the explosion hits, you get a message from Nim that says, "Aaron's going you okay."
0: <laughs> Hit a snag in one. We'll be home soon. Okay. <laughs>
1: Uh, and there's uh, uh, about 25 minutes later, you hear, <sighs> and you see, uh, uh, well, roll, roll edge for me really quick. No hits. Okay. You see some red hot nukes rolling up. Okay. Uh, you don't recognize any of them. Sure. Uh, they see the, the work, they look around and they see Spot. And you see them all, like, kind of, like, laugh and smile, and they, like, drive over to you.
0: Okay. Um, yeah. I get out.
1: They're getting off their bikes, and then they, like, see you, and they're, like, they stop and look.
0: Hi. Is Magnitude here?
1: (laughs) And they look at each other, and they all just start laughing. And they're like, sorry, little lady. We must have uh, mistaken this car for a friend of ours.
0: No, it's... This is Spot. Um, I just... Um, I don't have his phone number, so I was hoping to talk to him, because um, c- c- I have some news, so I, I need to talk to Magnitude, if you could please do that.
1: Roll negotiation for me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, with a plus three.
0: Three hits.
1: Three hits. Uh, they look at each other, look at you, and they're like, what's your name?
0: Hi, and- I'm Mouse.
1: <laughs> Mouse, right, right Well, here's the thing No, you can't really just Summon magnitude You gotta be a member of the, <laughs> of the Red Hawk Nukes to do that Oh And last time I checked You're not on the member list So how about you uh, go ahead and give Bumbles his car back And Bumbles can call uh, He
0: can't call What
1: are you talking about?
0: Uh, well, he can't call To talk to Magnitude. I need to give him some news.
1: Well, anything you need to say to Magnitude, you can say to us.
0: I don't know who you are.
1: Well, we don't know who you are, so we're in the same
0: boat. you do know who I am. You just don't know it's me. Because, see, when you guys were too late to arrive to docks to help us, I was there. And then when we blasted off into space and you guys watched, I was in that thing. And then also that new hellhound that you have... It was my idea. So if you really don't know who I am, I'm sorry for you, but I need to talk to Magnitude. And if you don't have access to him, that's fine. I'll go blow up another building.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, go ahead and roll uh, Intimidation at a plus six. Three hits. They look at, uh, look at you, the one who seems to be, like, in charge of them. like, kind of, like, looks at you. And then, like, the other two are, like, looking at each other and, like, looking at you. Like, are we going to, like, take this car from her or what? Like, they, they like, look like, now, now you've thrown down the gauntlet and, like, they're, like, thinking about coming at, like, coming at you. Uh, and one of them is like, listen, little lady. And then the guy who's in charge, like, raises his hand to shut him up. And he goes, give magnitude a ring. <laughs> <laughs> One of them pulls out his comlink. A snoop. Sure, you don't have to roll for it because you'll be able to hack this dude's comlink easy enough. Uh, yeah, you snoop and he uh, he calls and then it rings a bit and it's like, hey, yeah, what's up? Hey, magnitude. Um, we got a little lady here, a little girl. Uh, seems to be a friend of Bumble's. Knows you by name at least, and she wants to talk to you. She has his car. <laughs> And he goes, "What? What? What's she look like? Short, almost dwarf-sized, blue hair, metal. Oh, you're talking about Mouse? Yeah, yeah. What, Frank? Where's where you guys at? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. She's. I'll send you the coordinates. All right, we'll see you soon. Bye." And he hangs up, sends the coordinates. He goes. Magnitude's on his way. We'll see if your story <laughs> <should>. <laughs> uh, has any legs. And if it doesn't, we'll go ahead and take that car.
0: Oh, um, well, he said that he knows me, so I don't appreciate the lying.
2: <laughs> they look at each
1: other. Fragging deckers. <laughs> and uh, about ten minutes later, Magnitude shows up. Cool. <laughs> Uh, hops off his bike. He's got like five guys with him, uh, and so you're surrounded by Red Hawk Newt guys. That's fine. Uh, the rain's getting a little heavy, and, and Magnitude looks around. And he goes, "Couldn't have picked a better play,
0: meeting place." Oh, it's just like the middle, so I figured.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, could you see a mouse? What are you doing with Bubble's car?
0: Um. So I. I need your help. Um. We were on a job and. Bumbles made a really big explosion under Lake Washington.
1: Sounds like Bumbles, but, yeah.
0: <laughs> but he didn't, he didn't make it out exactly.
1: Uh, he, you say that, and he, like, he his face goes a little stony, and he turns to his guys, and he goes, Kill the engines! And they all turn off their bikes, so it's just the sound of the rain p- pattering off of the, uh, off of the car and the bikes. And he gets a little closer to it, and he goes, You're going to have to say that again.
0: He didn't survive.
1: Natitude sits there, grits his teeth. He nods, and he goes, that's a damn shame.
0: I need your help.
1: Anything. What do you need?
0: Bumbles loves space more than anything. And I was wondering if you would maybe send his ashes into space for the funeral (laughs) because <laughs> I don't know how to do it Except for stealing another Rocket ship And that just was a lot of trouble last time
1: Magnitude's like Pfft. And he like looks like like What the fuck is this little girl Like Asked me I know she's a friend of Bumble's And then he sits there for a second And he thinks about it And then his eyes light up a little bit And he starts to smile And he's like Yeah <laughs> That's a fit and send off to Bumble's Yeah yeah. All right, boys. We're going to have to go get some supplies. <laughs> We're going to honor one of our fallen. Bumbles. His light's out. And we've got to carry the torch a little bit further. Let's go make a rocket ship, motherfuckers. <laughs> 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 and they're like, yeah. And they jump on their bikes and they rev from up. And he goes, "He goes. I'll be in touch. Give us... And he thinks there for a second, like he's doing mental math. And he goes, I can have it in, in two days. <laughs> Okay. Just ashes, right? Yeah. Yeah, I can do it in two days.
0: <laughs> um. Okay. <clears throat> then uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go pick up Doc. Um. And send Spot home. Okay. Um. So.
1: All right. Uh. Yeah. You go and get Doc. Uh. And you tell him. He just. As soon as you say it, he just like. Picks you up in a hug.
0: Yeah, I start crying.
1: And he just holds you. And then, like, sets you down on the couch, and then you guys just sit on the couch for probably most of the evening before you finally both go up to the the mansion. And just as soon as you get to the mansion, you can just feel like it's very silent.
2: No one seems to be doing anything. Except for the goblin rock coming from the gym.
1: And then, and, then, and then there's the goblin rock coming from the gym, and you assume that's where, Bo- where Boomer is. Um, but there's like this air of, like, of, you know, the house is in mourning.
5: Yeah. Does Spot drive in?
1: Yeah, Spot drives into the, uh, into the mansion.
5: Okay. I've been sitting on the stoop. I'm going to go over to Spot <laughs> to find Mouse. She's not there. <laughs> cool.
0: i'm gonna text her spot's back are you okay i'm picking up doc be home soon okay smiley face
1: yeah and about 20 minutes after that she shows up with doc so maybe nim's waiting for you as you get up
0: (laughs) hi hey
5: um brin's brin's in the hub what i think you just needed to think about something else for a while that's not how we work sometimes people need a break mouse i you gotta you gotta let him deal with it as he's going to
0: after after your dad died he didn't he didn't come out for anything but bumbles we have to do that now the being in the hub is Is like no time is passing at all. It's not, it's not really, he wouldn't want that. So, you know, we should watch one of those dumb movies that makes no sense. And, and, or something, or, you know, I, I could, I learned how to make pretty good cookies. We, we can all do that together or something, but, you know, I set up, All the arrangements for the funeral. What? And, yeah. And um, his new suit will be here soon. Mouse. And, um... Mouse. Yeah?
5: I think you need to take a break.
0: Everyone else is really sad, and I cried already. So, Bumbles isn't here to snap everybody out of it. So, I have to. So, So, yeah. We we still have stuff to do and 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 we have to be a, t- a team again. We need we need somebody new. I'm going to start looking.
5: Mouse, just take a breath, okay? I, I I know we've got stuff to do. I know there's a lot on the line here. We we're going to have to lay low anyway. Evo is I'm sure scrambling to figure out what the hell happened. Sometimes People need a little bit of time and we can we can take a couple of days. You don't we're not gonna just replace bumbles. I look, I, I promise I'm Bryn's not gonna be in the hub forever. It's not gonna it's not gonna be like this forever, but I think you just need to take the night off. We're here, we can take the night off together, but but we, we don't need to do any any more of that tonight. Just if you want to watch a stupid movie, I've got I've got plenty. We can go do that. And if you want to go to your room and take some time, you can do that, too. Just just take the night off.
0: OK. Good night. And I go up to my room and I throw a red leader down on my bed and I sit cross legged at the head of my bed and I stare at him. <laughs> and I say, I know you're in there. You should come out.
1: Nothing happens. And the night passes without event unless anyone is attempting to do
5: anything else. At some point I'll bring Bryn some more coffee and probably a little bit of food. Okay.
1: Yeah, he he kinda like snaps out of the, the trance of the hub and like takes the food and like nods and, and uh says to you you know when when we lost Anna we lost L'Oreal and then even later when we lost Whitmore, I I promised I'd carry on their legacy. I'd try to keep them alive by keeping their ideals alive and, and do what they would do in situations. And then like he he like his face scrunches up a little bit like as he fi- fights back like some tears and he goes i don't know if i can if i can ever honor bumbles properly then he like sighs thanks for the coffee takes a sip and then goes back to work and then the night passes um, and i don't know if anyone's really attempting to achieve anything except for mouse talking to red leader every once in a while yeah. Every time you do, no response. Uh when you scan him, it doesn't seem like he's active in the matrix or anything like that. So you don't know exactly what's going on.
0: If I don't get a response, I'm gonna jack in at okay. some point. He can't ignore me forever.
1: Yeah. Uh so you jack into him. It seems like a pretty standard like operating system for uh a rotodrome. Um, but like everything is on the fritz. Like there's no activity going on uh like in the matrix when you like scan him and he's not doing anything and he's not responding to you. Uh, but when you get in there, it's not like you don't see any other persona in there. You don't see anything else going on. You just see like all of the code is just like going insane. Like maybe he's broken or there's some crazy glitch going on, but like, like it's all nonsense. And like, you see streams of code, like flying around. Like if you were to attempt to do anything in the matrix right now, it would be like, at like a minus eight, as you're just sitting there like ducking around code. It's like there's, it's like there's almost like a a monsoon going on of like matrix streams and code like that's just like blowing up around you, not seeming to do any damage to the device or anything, but just like something's wrong and the code is just all like it's it's just bouncing off the walls, spinning around like you're you're like starting to like see graphical glitches everywhere.
0: I'm going to jack out. Okay. And then I yell at it.
1: Okay. Doc (laughs) eventually comes and stops you.
0: (laughs) He just is ignoring me, Doc. He's ignoring me. And after all this time, he's just been, it's all, he could have, but he's just, nothing. Mouse. Nothing.
1: What are you getting on about? Why would Red Leader respond? He's a drone. He's He's not a
0: drone.
1: What do you mean he's not a drone?
0: Doc, he's an AI. He always has been. He's been pretending. He's been lying to us. And I know he's in there.
1: Okay, okay, okay. Let's let's say he is an AI. He's been helping Bumbles ever since. Like, he's done nothing but help, right?
0: That we know of.
1: Okay, fair. Maybe we lock him away somewhere.
0: We could put him in a microwave.
1: Maybe he left. Maybe he's not here anymore.
0: Well, why would he leave us? If he really wanted to help... I mean He's I can't, AI, maybe I may- can't rigger and a and and hack. It's too much. I can't be plugged into both at once and I'm not allowed to look for another rigger and we've still gotta take care of cashmere and look, everybody's look. so sad. And
1: he, he and grabs just, you he, he grabs your face and like makes you like look at him and he goes one battle at a time, Mouse. One battle at a time. We have to get ready for the funeral. Let's go,
0: okay, we have to we have to um incinerate him. I figured we'd do it in the forge,
1: sure, so you guys incinerate Bumbles' body in the forge of the garage.
0: Mm-hmm. It's what he would want
1: and then you guys pack him up. Mm-hmm. Brenna uh, uh comes out of the mansion, he's wearing a very nice black suit, and I'm
2: also in my suit.
1: he's looking little shaken get into spot in your respective vehicles and drive out to uh the middle of redmond where uh you find magnitude in the rest of the red hot nukes and lock them in grep and
0: i bring all the drones
2: sure including red leader
0: I... red leader stays in the van okay
2: <laughs> um... i bring my shotgun with me
1: sure uh and D'Artagnan and Echo's there too. And uh, they're all kind of like standing around an open space uh, where there's a rocket that's about a little bit taller than Boomer placed. It's a pretty ramshackle looking rocket. It looks like it might explode. <laughs> uh, you're not sure exactly what they scrapped together to make this work, but uh, Magnitude comes up to you guys and he's like, We ready?
2: Wait, so they they put the ashes in, and uh, I put my shotgun in there with, a, with with the ashes as a parting gift.
1: All right, you say goodbye to Becky, and you put Keeping
2: her safe up there.
1: <laughs> put her in with Bumble's ashes. You lock up the panel, and uh, uh, you all back up. The Red Hawk nukes give you all sunglasses. <laughs> That are treated for the bright light of this fucking rocket <laughs> that blasts off into fucking space, <laughs> and as it uh, as it does, uh, all the Red Hawk newts turn on their their uh, motorcycles and rev the engines uh, full blast, uh, and it goes flying up, and uh, um, they uh, they like as it gets away, they lower it the engines a little more and a little more and a little more until there's like silence, and. Uh, Magnitude turns to one guy uh, and goes, "Did it make it?" <laughs> and you see you see a, a red hot nuke kneeling down with his eyes in a telescope, <laughs> and he's like, "It just hit atmo." <laughs> and uh, everyone's like, uh, they they let out like a shout, and uh, and then the red hot nukes host a, a little wake for anyone who wants to stick around. Meanwhile,
4: Bumbles. Hi. You open your eyes. Okay. I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> you don't feel like you can
1: move your body for a second, and uh, you feel heat bearing down on you, and your eyes start to focus, and you see you're looking up into like, a clear blue sky with like, a, with like a burning sun just like right above you, uh, and it's like cooking you a little bit. That's not great. And then you're able to eventually muster up the strength to sit up, and, uh, you look around, and it looks like you're in, like, an arid desert. Uh, there's, uh, very, very far in the distance to the north, you see, like, a little mountain range, uh, to the east and west, there's, like, some, like, craggy hills, um, and then to the south, it kind of opens up into, like, a flat, like, just as far as the eye yeah, can see, like, flat, dry desert, uh, and you see, often in the distance, uh, Uh, to the south, this big dust cloud. Okay. And you sit there for actually a while. You've managed to sit up, but, like, it's, like, almost having to relearn how to move your body. Like, you're wearing your suit, which is nice. It's a little tattered and torn. Uh, You got, like, blood flecked on your face that you, like, kind of, like, are able to eventually raise your hand and feel. And, like, it takes you what feels like hours to eventually regain mobility in your body. And all the while, that dust cloud seems to be getting bigger and closer. And as you're finally able to, like, start to stand up, you, you hear something besides, like, just, like, the wind and like, uh, and, like, the crows or whatever that are circling up above. And you hear, it sounds like Oberon Delgado's third album. <laughs> uh, that's, this is odd just generally and it's way off in the distance and you'd have to guess it's coming from that dust cloud
4: okay huh hello anyone and
1: uh you uh you you finally are standing and you say that you look around there's nothing you try to take one step forward and you crumple to the ground again damn it It's making such great progress <laughs> and it takes you a little while to get back up and eventually you start to feel like this time it's like you start to get a little bit more control you've been fuzzy and all the while like every time like you you've been like moving a little bit you get flashes of your final moments like being in the chair telling everyone to go be heroes uh and then like flashes of Bryn and uh, uh you you know you, your haziness starts to fade away and you start to like you you know you're dead
4: huh I would not have guessed that this oh shit did I go to the other one
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you say that that dust cloud is getting super close and you can actually see in the distance now uh, you have a you have enough of a a view that you can you can see like there's at, l- at least a couple dozen vehicles barreling down full speed down towards you and they're like ramshackle like like Scrapyard cars put together with like spikes and you see a couple of them like bursting flames out of, of like the front of them and all the, and like one of them in the center has like two giant speakers. That's blowing out like at, at max insane volume. Uh, uh, this music heralding their approach. Uh, and they're getting closer and you just get this feeling. They're not friendly.
4: <laughs> I'm in a rather open desert. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's the Hills uh that are they're maybe like two football fields away from you
4: that's not close enough but i guess i'll run for those
1: okay you make it a little while and then uh, you trip up and then you have to like force yourself back up every movement is real hard but every time you fail it gets a little easier and uh it it feels like you're trying just to get to like a hill anything you're hoping that maybe you can somehow hide in this hill you know these guys have seen you at this point they see you struggling your way from this across this open place towards this hill and you're like it's they're getting real close and then you hear another sound coming from the hill you're approaching and it's like a another engine the sound of another engine
4: great this is great everything's fine <laughs>
1: And, uh, flying over the hill, uh, like, crashing down not too far from where you are and, like, skidding, uh, in, like, a power slide is, like, a huge muscle car with the engine exposed. Um, all the paint's, like, completely, like, washed off at this point. It's just, like, bare metal. Um, but it, like, looks real sturdy. And, like, uh, it has, like, off-road, like, suspension and everything. And it, uh, and it, like, pull, it, like, slides down next to you and the door opens up. Uh, and, like, this man gets out of it and he's wearing like a like a like tattered torn restitched motorcycle jacket and uh he has like dark hair and uh like some scruff uh he's got like a robotic uh hand and um like a chainmail shirt underneath his uh underneath his jacket and like a shotgun slung over his shoulder and he comes uh uh stepping around and he opens up the other door and, like, reaches out a hand to you, and he's like, come with me if you want to live. Okay. I'll take his hand. And then he, like, kind of, like, helps you into the, into the car. And at this point, this, like, horde of cars is barreling down towards you. And he uh, uh, jumps in the driver's seat, a jo- driver's seat ki- like, pushes the, the, the clutch down, slams the car into gear, fishtails out, and starts driving down towards the mountains. Uh, I need you, and he hands you, like, his shotgun. Cool. And, and, uh, I need you to roll, uh, long arms for me. That's the skill. That's one hit. Okay. Uh, just roll it, like, two more times. We'll just kind of, like, catch all of this in one go. Uh,
4: that's one hit with a glitch. Okay. (laughs) That's no hits.
1: Okay. Uh, so, yeah, uh, these cars, they get... They start swarming around you guys, not quite able to catch up completely. Uh, and meanwhile, the guy driving is like, slow him down! And uh, you see these cars are being driven by, like, these mutated, uh, like, bleached skin, boils on the on their, like, faces, uh, like, mutant, like, monster. Maybe they were men once, but now they're, like, these creatures behind wheels. And uh, they have, like, guns and spears and stuff. And they're, like, throwing, like, stuff at you and shooting at you. Uh, you get hit in the shoulder Uh, and, and, like, uh, you manage to, like, shoot out the tires of one of them, and then, uh, uh, then, like, you just kind of, like, try to fend off. It doesn't go very well, but due to the, uh, the skill of this driver who's helping you out, and a couple lucky shots you get here and there, um, you, uh, you guys make it to the mountains, and it seems like as you get towards the mountains, this, this horde breaks off. Uh, and, and they're less, like, mountains and more, like... Large plateaus, uh, and uh, he goes like barreling into like uh, one of the canyon like entrances of these plateaus, and uh, you have like an arrow sticking in your shoulder.
4: Um, where um, where am I? Is is this hell? <laughs> Did I go to the other one? I don't know if I want to know. Where
1: am I? <laughs> <laughs> he uh, reaches underneath his seat and pulls out like a med kit and like sets it down next to you, and he's like. Do you want to talk theology or do you want to stop bleeding to death?
4: Uh, can I bleed to... I guess I'll work on this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and you you basically work on that arrowhead. Uh, go ahead and roll uh, first
4: aid for me. That's one hit. Okay. Uh, sorry, that's two hits. Ah.
1: You're able to pull the arrow out and stop the bleeding. <laughs> Ow. Great. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, uh, you go driving into this uh, canyon, um, uh, the sun starting to set. Our uh, uh, Crash 3.0, are you guys hanging out for the wake, or are you?
0: Um, I guess I'm doing whatever Bryn is doing.
1: Sure. Uh, He stays around for, like, one drink, says hi and thank you to Magnitude, keeps on a brave face, Uh, and then eventually, like, climbs in a spot and is ready to go.
2: I say goodbye to everyone. I also think magnitude and I get in the spot with brin uh
5: i was was being very personable with all of the uh red hot nukes and drinking with them and cheersing and rying um and then when I see everyone else is heading out the door, I will uh smash my glass and. Cheer the with them one more time and then get in the get in yeah. the spot.
1: The whole time everyone in the Red Hot News is telling stories about like the time Bumbles, you know, with half a can of raiding two explosive foam and <laughs> and a dud grenade managed to take out like a bunch of rusted stilettos <laughs> uh a rival gang during like a chase. And um Dart and Echo kinda of take your guys' cue and like they you know start saying goodbye to you and they like meet up with you guys at the car. Um they walk up and they as you guys are getting in and they go or and D'Artagnan goes I understand you guys need to go. I just uh wanted to let you know we we got a hold of a PAB and uh we're gonna start tending to the the clones. His sacrifice wasn't in vain. And we've talked about it. He like looks at Echo and she like nods and he goes, and if you four helped me with my crusade, Echo with her escape, if you need help with this great corruptor thing, you know how to find us. Anything we can do to help. And Grandmaster Grundelfug." wanted me to remind you, Mouse, that you're welcome to come
2: back to the care anytime
1: you like.
0: Thanks.
2: Thanks, Doc. I'll have to get you a drink sometime.
1: Please, Ome. Oh and he, like, uh, puts a... He, like, shakes your hand. He goes, I'm buying.
2: Oh, well, I'm not gonna argue.
1: And, uh, you guys part ways and head back to the mansion. Yep. And, uh, when you get there, you see, uh a package waiting
5: outside the manor,
1: uh, on the steps.
2: Ah, frag.
5: Who's it addressed to? Uh,
1: Bryn Hawthorne.
5: Does Bryn see it?
1: Yeah, he sees it.
0: I'd like to sense it. Sure. Yeah. I'd like to make tricks perception it. Sure. Okay.
1: Uh, you guys don't have to roll. Um, it's not magically awakened. It doesn't have any astral signature on it. Uh, Nim. Uh, and mouse it it doesn't have uh uh like it's not like active in the matrix or anything like that so it doesn't like have a an icon uh, seems like a very mundane package. Bryn just kind of sits there and looks at it, and then he goes, "I didn't order anything. You guys didn't either, right?"
0: No, and Steve didn't have anything on order for us either. Steve. Oh, uh, the drone. That's the drone that the delivery drone. I, I check his logs every day. He stops by.
1: In that case, yeah. This could be a message. Maybe from Evo. Maybe from someone else. I think we take it to the clinic and do a forensic scan.
0: Okay. Um, I'm gonna take it. Okay. If I pick it up, does it like click or anything? Is it a bomb? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, you guys carry the package into the clinic. Mouse uh go ahead and roll hardware for me. Okay. As uh as you and Bryn work together to uh to like run every diagnostic scan you can on it. Six hits. Okay. Uh you're able to scan it? Doesn't have any explosives involved. Uh doesn't seem to be trapped. Doesn't have any triggers. You do you guys do x-ray it? Um it does it seems like Uh, sealed package Um, you can't see what's inside of it but like basically inside the the exterior package there's like a small metal container and uh, you run a bunch of major scans on it Um, you run DNA and fingerprint scans on it and that's when you guys pick something up you have cashmere's fingerprints on log this package was sent by cashmere
5: I put up a physical barrier around the package
1: (laughs) Uh, Bryn steps back, gritting his teeth, and he goes, "Nim, you didn't, you didn't uh, sense anything on it, right?"
5: No, it seemed completely mundane. I.
1: Well, and he like takes a gulp, and then reaches in his pocket and pulls out a knife.
0: I'm gonna take it from him. I'm gonna do it.
2: If I may, I'm the one with the big armored suit, so.
5: We have it articulating the... medical arms, right? Oh, that's a good idea. Why don't you put it on the table? I'll put up a barrier between us and the table, and then the medical arm can open it. Yeah, I've controlled them before.
1: All right. I think that covers most of the bases. Uh, Nim, you put up a physical barrier blocking uh, you guys from the package. Mouse, you take control of the uh, the mechanical arms. They move down with a scalpel. <laughs> and just cut the, cut the package open and fold it open. And then reach down and grab uh it's like um the the container's not much larger than like a Comlink, link, and it uh gets set on the table. one arm slides the box off to the side, and then uh you go and turn the latch on the uh metal container do the medical arms have Geiger counters in them uh yeah I mean there's a Geiger counter in this in this uh there's no way that this Medical suite does not have a Geiger
5: counter. <laughs> it didn't beep at all.
1: Nope, not at all. It's new batteries. <laughs> and then you turn the uh you turn the little latch and ease the lid open. And inside this container, you see a data chip. Meanwhile,
4: bumbles. <laughs> I haven't bled to death yet. <laughs>
1: no, uh it is uh it is getting near dawn. Uh, the next day, you and this mysterious stranger set up camp in the middle of the canyon here. And uh, uh, he, you wake up and he's poking at the fire. And uh, he looks at you and he goes, how's the shoulder?
4: Oh, you know, bad.
1: Uh, who are you? He pokes at the fire a bit, pulls up the stick, like blows on the embers. You see it like glow against his face. And then he tosses it into the fire. And kind of like sits at you. He goes, you're asking the wrong questions, kid.
4: Okay, what are the right questions?
1: You're lost, right? Yes. Ain't no one comes here that's not lost. Sure. Not too long ago, I was taken away from my people. But they need
4: me. So I'm fighting my way back, even if it kills me. What about you? Um, well, I died recently. So I'm just sort of feeling this whole thing out. Didn't seem to stop you? Yeah, I guess... I guess not, huh? That's pretty cool. Look, the way home, it's on the other side of these canyons.
1: We can work together, you and I. Just as soon as I get the, uh, the car fixed up, it took a couple hits too many. But, uh, you know, you don't have to come with if you don't want. Road ahead is dangerous.
4: And, sort of uh, the, the road behind is as well, it seems. Right, but around here in the canyon, it's safe. You can stay here, set up camp. You wouldn't have to fight to survive. I don't think me setting up camp is no longer fighting to survive. <laughs> Do you have tools for the car? Like a wrench? Yeah,
1: and he, he kind of like kicks at his, his like rucksack nearby him. Got some tools in there. What, you can fix a car?
4: Yeah, I can fix a car. <laughs> All right. Hope you can fix a car better than you can shoot a gun. And he stretches out. Historically, that has been the case. <laughs> Go ahead and roll automotive mechanic. That's five hits. Yeah, it takes you about 15 minutes
1: to get the car up and running again. You, you know, you give it a little, you listen to the engine, you lean in, you you turn the key. And he's like, yeah, I already tried that one. <laughs> well, yeah, that's... Never mind. And uh, you listen to it. You kind of identify where the problem's coming from. You step back around. You look, his toolkit is shit.
4: <laughs> These uh,
1: tools are shit. Yeah, well, they ain't mine. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. <laughs> and uh, you uh, get to work on the car and you're able to, like, pop out the part that's broken, jury rig together a, a solution using some of the guy's tools and. And a little bit of like uh, the whiskey he's drinking, you pull it out and you're like, "Hey,
4: I need it. <laughs> I need it too." <laughs> Not as much as the car does.
1: And uh, you uh, patch up the car, and then you give it another. You turn the key again, and it and it runs up. And he goes, "Hot damn, you can't fix a car. Can you shoot?" Yeah, maybe we switch next time. <laughs> All right. And then he like uh, he kind of sits up and goes, "Well, I was about to get going." You're welcome to stay if you like, or we can take a shot at it.
4: No, this place seems like a hellhole. Um, let's get the fuck out of here.
1: All right. And uh, he climbs in the car, and you, you get behind the wheel. And he goes, "Now, just because you fix a car doesn't mean you're a good and driver." I put
4: it into gear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and uh, you slam back, and he's like, "I hope uh, I hope you know what you're doing." <laughs> uh, go ahead and roll, uh, uh, pilot ground craft for me.
4: Thus, full hits.
1: Roll one more drive test for me.
4: Also four hits.
1: Okay. Uh, you get driving. The sun's starting to rise. Um, you're zigzagging through. He's kind of directing you take a left here, take a right there. Uh, uh, and he's he is saying, like, keep the speed up. We're going to have company. Not a problem. Uh, <laughs> and uh, sure enough, like, coming down some of the, like, less severe slopes of the canyon, you see uh, these kind of mutated freaks coming down on motorcycles, uh, and they start shooting at you. And uh, you're able to sphere uh, like veer out of the way, and like uh, at one point they like flank you, and uh, uh, you manage to like bump one of them into the wall, and he like hits the wall, and just like his bike like shatters, and he goes flying back. The other one tries to like pull ahead and cut you off, um, and like shoot at your tires, and uh, you actually use the momentum from ramming the one in the wall to bump yourself up on the wall slightly, uh, <laughs> and dodge the hit. And then, like he overcompensates, like with your maneuver, he comes in closer, and then you come off the wall, and there's not enough room for him anymore, and you just get on top of him, and he just gets under the wheels, and you poof, go over him, and his uh, bike blows up behind you, just like that troll. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, meanwhile, uh, this mysterious stranger shooting a gun a whole lot, um, and uh, every time like a uh, another bike gets close, he pops him off, and he's like, "All right, we're ahead of him. Just keep it up." And uh, you like. Veer to the left, veer to the right, and, uh, uh, like, there's, like, a tight fit, and you barely, like, power slide in without losing any speed, and zip in there, and a couple bikes crash into the wall there, and pretty soon the guy, pretty soon the guy doesn't even have to shoot anymore, you're losing him, uh, and, uh, uh, you break out of the other side of the canyon, and, um, ahead of you, more barren wasteland, and then, uh, like an oasis and he goes there go there i do and you pull up you get out and he gets out and uh you he looks at the the water of the oasis and he goes folks of yours
2: all right let's hand the let's hand the arm a metal ink and slot this thing
1: all right you guys lower the physical barrier give the arm a metal ink, raise the physical barrier back up and uh it goes over and then plugs in, and uh, the metal arm pulls the metal link <laughs> over to the uh, over to the physical barrier, so you guys can look at it because it's got a small screen, <laughs> and it plays a video. The vid opens up showing a dimly lit, windowless bunker of a room. Uh, there's one thin, hard mattress bed in the background, and due to the quality of the video and cuts and graphical glitches. Uh, you would even guess that while you guys are watching this on a MetaLink, it was probably recorded on a MetaLink. Sitting there, looking directly into the camera, is Cashmere, and he's looking worse for wear. Uh, his skin is very pallid. His hair is matted and oily. Uh, he has dark, noticeable bags under his eyes, and there's a sheen of sweat shining on his like face and forehead. And he's looking right at the screen repeating the same phrase over and over again, each time with just a little bit more certainty.
3: My name is Kashmir. My name is Kashmir. My name is Kashmir. And then the vid feed cuts to a different timestamp,
1: and a single overhead light is on this time, illuminating the room just a little bit better. Uh, The walls are cracked, and one of them seems to have a leak of some kind trickling down it. Um... And Kashmir looks relatively the same as before, though possibly a little more gaunt.
3: If you're watching this, I hope you are who I think you are. And well, I'm sorry doesn't cut it. Words can't come close. You were my family, and and I betrayed you. I I I abandoned you. And I know, I know you must hate me. But but please, listen to what I have to say. Y- you have to hear me.
1: Listen to me! And the vid feed cuts immediately after that, uh, and it jumps to a different timestamp. It's a different day. Cashmere's uh, here looks a little more disheveled, uh, as if he's been pulling at it just moments before, rec- uh, before hitting record.
3: My lucid periods are inconsistent and brief, uh, and they're becoming less frequent, so I won't waste any more time. As I told you before, I accepted a new mentor spirit. I did so out of fear, and it was a mistake. This new spirit, she's, she's a toxic spirit. But there's something else about her. Nothing in all of my studies. Nowhere have I ever heard of a spirit with as much power as her. It seems the only thing holding her back is the ability to manifest here on our plane. But that won't be holding her back for long, now will it? No, not if I have anything to do with it. She will be brought to us.
1: The vid feed cuts again. This time the light is off, and it looks like the crack in the wall got a little bit bigger, probably just by the water damage from that leak. And Kashmir's bent over with his head in his hands, taking a deep breath before continuing. He raises his face and reveals that he looks even worse than before. His lips look painfully dry.
3: She needs me. I know that much. She needs me to make it to this plane of existence. She comes to me in visions, tells me I've, I've been chosen. I can only resist for so long. Allowing her to bind her will to mine is intoxicating. It's addictive on a cosmic level. I, I, I can only resist for so long. And when her influence takes hold, she can make me do nearly anything she wants. She's making me more powerful having me taint other magic users, and push them over the edge so they kill themselves, acting out their darkest dreams. I don't know what for. To make herself more powerful? But what she doesn't know is that I have a plan. You see, spirits, if you can discover their true name, you can control them. Uh, you can kill them for good, not just banish them back to their home plane, uh, get rid of them forever. Uh, it's going to take me some time, but but every time she visits me, for as long as I can resist, I sense her projected aura, and every time I do, I get another fragment of her true name. It- it- it's like a formula, and once it's complete, I can wipe her from existence. I can make... This all worth it. And the video
1: cuts again. Uh, kind of a quick jump cut. He looks relatively the same as in the other, other shots.
3: I'm close. I'm so close. I, I have to be careful. Once it's
1: complete, she'll know it exists. And I'll have to act quick. Video cuts again. Now Kashmir's eyes look very sunken. There are areas of, his, of, the, of skin on his face that are red and inflamed. His hair looks a little bit thinner than before.
3: Stupid, stupid, stupid. She doesn't need me. She needs Araga. I can't control him anymore, but he's still bound to me. I can feel him lingering in the astral. Even if he won't come when I call, she's making me powerful enough to summon him. The formula is nearly complete. I'm almost home. I'm almost
1: home. The video cuts again. His face is very close to the camera this time, and he looks a little panicked. He talks in a low voice as if he's afraid of eavesdroppers.
3: I... I'm forgetting how it felt, how it felt to have a family. She's made me kill so many people, and I enjoy it. I can't remember what it felt like, but I know I didn't used to be this way. I am Kashmir, right?
1: The video cuts again, and now Kashmir looks worse than ever. One eye is bloodshot, his skin is completely discolored, His lips are cracked and bleeding. And despite this, he looks like he's in more control than he has in any of the other clips.
3: I've nearly completed it. I've nearly completed the formula that is her true name. But she says she's moving me to a new lodge. One that has enough power to complete what she started. I'll have to destroy this comlink. It was a miracle I was able to hide it this long. As of this recording, I don't know where she's taking me. I'm going to leave nothing to chance. I'm leaving a copy of my progress here, at the address embedded in this file. I'll arrange for an automated system linked to a biomonitor. This data chip will find its way to you if I die. It'll send to you if I die. If you're watching this, then it, it means that I'm dead. I failed you, and you have to clean up my mess again. Come here. Find the formula, please. Come find the formula. It, I can't think of any other team in the world who could finish this job. I need you to know what happened. This all has to be worth it, and it has to be. I, I love you all. And
1: the video cuts, and
3: the feed is done for good.
2: Fragonet. Boomer sits in stunned silence. I'll release the physical barrier.
1: Uh, As soon as you release the physical barrier, Bryn moves on the comlink aggressively. He he yanks the data chip out of the comlink, throws it down, and uh, he holds his hand over it. And uh, Mouse, you get like a spike of matrix activity. You're pretty sure without having to roll any kind of matrix test or anything, you think he's about to wipe the data without looking at it.
0: Wait, what are you doing?
1: What do you mean what i'm what am I doing? I'm getting rid of this. We're going to burn this and act like we never saw it. What? What do you mean? Act like we never saw it? When will you learn? Toxic mages cannot be trusted. This is obviously a trap. Kashmir died the moment he let himself turn toxic. This is a trap, and we'd be idiots to go after
5: it. Brent, even a trap is a clue. even even if it is a trap, we can go into it knowing that it's a trap. This is our only lead. He sends me this,
1: tells me one thing. He doesn't feel confident enough to attack us here. He's trying to draw us out.
5: Brynn, if we don't stop this now, it's just another Jason. It's another Kashmir. It's gonna keep going. What if we really have a chance to end this? can't end this? How many more people do we have to lose before we realize that we can't end this? Everyone. We will lose everyone to end this. I'm gonna step forward.
1: Uh, you do, and uh, uh, Brynn takes one step back.
0: I'm going to gently step forward again.
1: And he's watching you. Mouse, you know this is the right thing.
0: You're not wrong, but we should look at it.
2: It could be a trap. Maybe he's being sincere. Now hear me out. What good's living if we just let a toxic spirit run around and do everything that we've worked so hard that we've lost people? Trying to undo. If we just let this thing run rampant, what's the point of us doing any of this at all? I'd rather die knowing I tried doing something about it than live knowing it's out there making more Jason's and Cashmere's and whatever the frag else these things like to do. If we destroy that, we're destroying our only lead and our only means of stuff in this if he is telling the truth. And if it's a trap... Well, I think we're all professional and cautious enough. We can make preparations. We can do what we need to do. But destroying that's just friggin' stupid. That's a lead. We have a job to do.
5: That's what my father knew, Bryn. He knew it all along, and I I didn't get it. It didn't make sense. But don't you realize that other people are out there? And because of Kashmir, they are losing they're people. And that's not going to stop. Well, maybe it's someone else's turn to lose somebody.
2: Not everybody's got the resources, the skills we have. That's why we're doing this, Bryn. That's why your father started this, and that's why you kept it going. You believed in this. You had the means to do something about it. We have the means to do something about it. And I'll tell you what. I'd rather be frigging dead. Rotten in a ditch somewhere than just laying down and letting this happen. That's exactly the
1: problem, Boomer. I don't want to see you dead. I don't want to see any of you dead. This is the only way I can protect you.
0: If you erase it, I'm going to have to stop you. Please don't make me do that.
1: Brynn looks at all of you, and I want all of you to roll a negotiation test for me. Nim, you're obviously the... uh, lead on this. Everyone else's hits will add to your limit and your pool. Um, Everyone gets a plus four to this.
2: I'm also using edge. I'm pre-edging. Okay.
5: Two
0: hits. Three.
5: That's eight hits. Bumbles.
1: In the water you see the image of Mouse standing and talking to Brynn with Boomer and Nim just slightly behind her. They're all standing in the, uh, the med bay. Britain's holding like a data chip and they seem to be arguing.
4: In my experience, water doesn't do that Uh, in no particular order. Who are you? Where are we? He looks up and you look up and you see that the sky is different. Uh,
1: It's not a sky. Instead, it's this like weird intertwining, almost organic looking like fluorescent uh, neon blue substance. That's like making this like kind of weird web. It almost looks like neurons. And, and and like you see like this like blue energy transferring around them and then like this kind of blue glowy like uh, dust kind of like these little flecks of like this blue dust like float around and kind of like hover around you and you see like as you like are soaking this in you look around and everything starts to like just be that the mountains are that they just give away to like more of this, like this pat, these pathways of like blue organic material, and uh, uh, this oasis is more like a-, a hole in it, and like you kind of like look, and it looks like a camera feed almost, huh? And uh, you look at this mysterious stranger, and uh, his he's not there anymore. Instead, you see a floating orb of of light with like code wisping around inside it, uh, and you hear Red Leader go. Hello, Bumbles.
4: Hi. W- that was you the whole time? In a manner of speaking, yes. Okay. I'm dead?
1: The answer to that question is complex. I'm pretty smart. At the time of your, of your extraction from the chair, there was a spike in my, in my programming. I was able to isolate it and identify it later. It appears you, are what's, you have become what is known as an e-ghost. So I'm haunting the Matrix now. The answer to that question is complex. I'm pretty smart. The truth is, there is no one answer to what an egoist is, as the information is not always uh, consistent across reports. Some believe it's people trapped in, uh, people trapped inside the Matrix when they die can become egos. Others believe rogue AIs impersonate people who have died uh, to their own ends. I'm more inclined to believe that you are the former example.
4: That makes sense. I don't, I'm pretty sure I'm not a rogue AI impersonating me. And if I am, I'm doing a very good job of fooling me. (laughs) Of course, Bumbles. (laughs) However,
1: the simulation that that we just witnessed was one of your own device.
4: Oh, that makes a lot more sense then.
1: If I were to guess, it was heavily influenced by the type of uh, tridio entertainment you prefer.
4: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> However, uh, I believe you have realigned completely, and you are, you are ready to go online, if you wish. Or I hope you approve. I chose not to end the subroutines until they were fully realized, out of hope that we would speak again.
4: Yeah, that was smart. I, good job.
1: However, it does seem like your friends are in trouble. And you see Mouse take one step forward and Bryn take a step back. He looks kind of panicked. And I... he's got his hand holding over a data chip.
4: What's the date?
1: It is approximately three days
4: after your demise. I'm dead for three fucking days and everything just falls apart. Uh, how do I go to that?
3: <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> I have found that the Matrix is quite
1: intuitive. Once you are one of its permanent denizens.
4: So I will just jump in then.
1: That would be my
4: hypothesis. Yes. Okay. Well, thanks. I guess we'll talk soon. I hope so. Okay. Do you live in the drone or are you just, you know, what? it's fine. I wouldn't understand your answer anyways. And <laughs> I jump in the oasis. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. You jump in and your body kind of like dissipates and you see as like, you become that like kind of weird, Glowing dust that's like floating around in the air between all these this like network of neurons and like you break apart and like swirl around and then like you go inside one of these channels and like everything is like weird for a second as you are in a million pieces at once and uh, you can feel yourself spreading across like what must be trillions and trillions of different data points and uh, you recoalesce into uh uh, into one of this, the medical screens on the, uh, <laughs> uh, in the med bay. This medical screen also has two uh, robotic arms linked to it that you immediately have control over. And as you do, like as you're entering this, this screen, you hear their argument, everything that's led up to this. You hear Kashmir's video. And it, it all seems to happen all at once as the screen, to their perception, goes black and turns back on and you're there right as mouse says don't make me do that and Bryn goes this is what Bumbles would do wait
4: what? <laughs>
1: <laughs> 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 and Bryn drops the data chip and jumps back and sees Bumbles in the screen and that's where we'll end this session <laughs>
0: This podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions, all rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, sponsored, or specifically approved by the Tops Company Incorporated. Shadowrun is a trademark of the Tops Company Incorporated, all rights reserved. Go to www.shadowruntabletop.com for more information.